Lightning at Home and Truck Show podcast, episode number 221. We are the fastest growing and biggest truck enthusiast podcast on the internet. I just made that up. Well, that was uh, good for you. What, what we're not going to make up is our awesome visit today to uh, our friend David Borla at Borla uh, Exhaust in Oxnard, California, which is about an hour north of the studio. Yeah, you uh, and I, uh, we well, took a little traffic. road trip. Yeah. Well, that, that, the traffic did suck, and uh, that's how much we love David Borla, because we sat in miserable L.A. traffic getting up to him and coming home. Well, it's okay, because he returned how much he loves us by showing us a bunch of really cool things in their R&D facility, how they go through the process, uh, what the, the machines look like, and uh, maybe even a little uh, something at the end of the podcast. But before we get into our day with Borla, we have to thank our friends over at Nissan. And uh, did you hear about the Nissan Frontier? No! No, I did not. Uh, we'll expound upon it uh, maybe in the next episode. In wait, wait, this is a big tease? Frontier, the number two selling <gasps> midsize pickup truck after what? just, what, four or five months on the market? Yeah, what? Really? Yeah. Is that true? You no, know, people are just buying them up left and right. The numbers just came back. So congrats to our friends over at Nissan. Uh, listen, if you're in the market for a reliable, durable, powerful, capable, good looking, functional, good looking, great looking, thank you, great looking, thank not you. good, great looking, <laughs> great. Uh, then you want to head down to your local Nissan dealer where you can uh, test drive and put your uh, your your mitts on a Nissan Titan Wait, or do Titan we wear XD. Mitts? Which do no, you have mitts? Oh, or uh, hands? Your hands. Yes. They don't want our hands on their brand new trucks. Uh, on the Titan's five year, one hundred thousand mile warranty, best in the business. That is. Exceptional. That means that if you bought a Titan when you started listening to the show, mm-hmm. you still have a year left on your warranty. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. And of course, you can check out the uh, hot selling Nissan Frontier if you can find one. But if your local dealer doesn't have what you like, just in order stock, one. Just order one. Yeah. yeah. Go head to NissanUSA.com where you can build and price the exact model that you want. And uh, then you can convince your, uh, your significant other that you need a new truck. Hold on. Let me tee this up for you. All right. What do I do if I need more power to tow my travel trailer and I've got a uh, like a Duramax, a 6.6 liter Duramax, maybe I've got a, an eco diesel. What do I do to give me a little more oomph up what the hills? What if you have a power stroke? If I have a power stroke, uh, yeah, I got a, uh, let's say I have a 2017 power stroke. Well, uh, you know, diesel trucks these days are uh, pretty powerful from the factory. However- But not enough for my fifth wheel. I know. There's a lot more to go. And if you're looking for a warranty-friendly power solution, check out the Derringer tuners from Banks. Head over to Banks Power, where you can check out the uh, tuner that's right for your application. These are inline tuners that are invisible- if you need to go in for service, you can easily remove them from the truck. And they're compatible with the iDash, so you can combine both the inline tuning from the Derringer with all that great information from a single gauge mounted on your pillar pod. And you can adjust the power levels as you drive. And of course, uh, Banks supplies science and engineering to all of their tuning products. Their tuners are calibrated to give you full power potential of your work or sport truck without all the soot and built-in active safety and auto rate features. Safeguard your powertrain from uh, any of the bad stuff that'll leave you stranded on the side of the I road. I mean, they're looking at uh, EGT. They respect all of the factory safe limits. So if you get over like 1425 uh, Fahrenheit, uh, it'll withdraw its power. If it detects any transmission slip, it sets you back to stock. So are you saying worry-free performance at bankspower.com? I would say that, yeah. All right, well, then I'm going to say this. Start the show! The Truck Show. We're going to show you what we know. What the truck Cause truck rides with The truck show We have the lifted We have the lowered And everything in between We'll talk about trucks that run on diesel And the ones that run on gasoline The truck show The truck show The truck show It's the truck show With your hosts Lightning 
and Holman. All right, I've got my Nature Valley Crunch Bar, oats and honey, and my bottle of water, and I'm walking out to the street to go be picked up by our friend, Mr. Sean Holman. I'm just standing here. And I'm still standing here. Uh, well, that's not him. Hmm. Not really an exciting start to the truck show podcast. Me in my front yard waiting for Holman. Hmm. Okay. It's the truck show, the truck show, the truck show, whoa, whoa. Hmm, okay. No, I did not hear, Holman. Tell me the news about trucks. Hmm. This looks like my chariot. Hello, James. Hello, James. <laughs> All right. That's me, everybody. Sorry. Well, Lightning doesn't believe in wearing a seatbelt. No, nah, I was just uh, too excited about our road trip. Okay. <laughs> oh, it's better than coffee in the morning. Can I tell you what my neighbor said? Because I backed the TRX up against the uh, garage. No. What did your neighbor say? Is this a joke? He said, uh, just curious if you got dents in your garage door from starting that thing up in the morning. <laughs> All right. On ramp. Here we go. In the TRX. All right, Holman. So we are out in Oxnard, California. This is, uh, what do you say, 35 minutes northwest of Los Angeles? No. Okay. This is about an hour. <laughs> you said minutes, miles. You might be correct, but no, okay. this is this is a, a hellacious drive for uh, anybody trying to uh, escape Los Angeles. The traffic is atrocious at all hours, um, but once you get here, it's a beautiful coastal town. It's farm farmland out here. Farmland, and I mean, literally right on the beach is farms, and also Vandenberg Air Force Base is nearby, and you've got a lot of uh, defense contractors. Oh, can we stop and get strawberries? Can we stop and get strawberries? Right here, no, we the way back. To, we're doing a uh, uh, interview at Bournemouth. Oh, okay, yeah. And uh, what you guys didn't hear is the uh, three or four launches that we did on these little country roads out here. Don't uh, launches. Lunches. Lunch, yes. lunch. I meant lunch. We had lunches out here. Yes. Lunch. We ate sandwiches and strawberries. Uh, okay, getting close to Borla. Good morning, Borla. Hi, we're at the gate. We've got an appointment with David. I'm just trying to figure out where to park, how to get in. <laughs> Nothing's happening. <laughs> maybe the gate's not working. Uh, maybe they don't want us. 
But that could, there is that. Why don't you be useful? And go out and see if you can make the gate operate. Because you very want me to shimmy through those two gates right there. Yes, I do. All right. Uh, well, we take a video, but you have the this could be here. dangerous. All right, let's try this. Cause I'm fat. I don't know which way this goes. I feel like I'm gonna get squished in here. Okay, I'm inside. I just snuck in. I'm gonna walk around here. See the chassis dyno in the back. I see the boiler trailer. And, uh, ooh, I see a few lifts. I see a welder. And we're in the right spot. Dude, congratulations on making it through the gate. I just, uh, I didn't see that happening. So I'm gonna apologize <laughs> right now for, uh, for thinking the worst. I, I, you know what I mean? If I think thin, I can get through into small places. All right, so somehow we made it to the back lot of uh, Borla, and I don't know, there's no security here. You snuck through a gate. I don't yeah. know where to go now. Is that, is that David over there? Hey, guys, over here. <laughs> oh, that, yeah, that's David. <sighs> What's up, dude? How you guys doing? Good. Sorry we uh, came around the backside. We couldn't find the front door. I knew it was you when I saw the T-Rex. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't we get in out of the hot sun and go for a tour? How does that sound? Only yes. Deal. All right, so here we are at the uh, Borla R&D facility. We've met David in the back, and he's just taking us in into the uh, the shop here. We're staring at uh, a Holman. First off, can I move in? No, I can't? a brand new oh. Raptor exhaust from the factory. Which, if you remember, our, uh, our I thought Raptor this was a trash can. Look at the size of that. Yeah, holy it's a 55 gallon drum. Oh my lord! Now, if you remember from our. Uh, Raptor coverage, you know, that Ford put the, the loops in here to make them equal length. This also has the valve in it, so it'll sound uh, more aggressive or, or quiet. There are two valves, as you can see, which is, which is actually kind of rare. And, they, and, and be, what they did was that they created a situation where those valves can completely close. Because one of the issues that you have with a bimodal exhaust is that it's really hard to um, sort of get everything to go through the quiet circuit because the loud circuit is typically uh, it's a bigger, it's more diameter. flow, right? Yeah, so like the gases and the sound, uh, sound waves all wanna go through the big path, right? I mean, it makes a lot of sense where the least resistance is. So, um, so what they did was they made it so these valves will completely close. The problem with that is uh, when those valves are completely closed, the exhaust gases have nowhere to go. So they created this little bypass down there and it's, it's a shrunk in diameter. So that's how they quiet it down on the platform. Well, it's funny because I was uh, telling uh, Lightning on our way over that a neighbor of mine walked by the other day and I backed the uh, TRX up to my garage door and he goes, hey, I got a question for you. I said, yeah, he goes, you got a dent in your garage door by starting that thing up every morning? <laughs> it's like, well, sorry. Nice. So my question for you is when you're developing an exhaust and obviously there's steering wheel controls that control the circuit. Are you going to be putting in flaps as well for adaptive? Oh yeah, adaptive? of course. Yeah, I mean, the the customer who buys this truck wants that functionality. Yeah, he right? doesn't we, want to lose anything. I mean, if anything, the the aftermarket is supposed to add more cool factor and yeah. functionality, right? So that's a must, of course. And we have our own valves. We we make them ourselves. We design them ourselves, and they operate a little bit differently than the factory. So you you know it's part of the aftermarket flavor is to just do something different. Well, uh, and, and so David, a lot of the valves, the the cruddy ones that you'll get overseas for aftermarket, mm -hmm. will, they'll burn out, right? Yes. Because there's a they're directly coupled via heat, yes. right? So the motors burn out, and yeah. I'm you're sourcing or making really good motors that just don't do that, I assume. Uh, absolutely. In some cases, we we repurpose the actuator from the OE. Um, so the, the motor sort of remains, but really, I mean, the reality of it is, and anybody will tell you this, moving parts are gonna break at some point. 
So the OE is going to break at some point. The Borla well, Look at Lightning. Gonna... He's been moving for decades now, and he's starting you. to uh, I'm fail right here. Also. I, can, I can hear you. You, so, you told me in the car all the things oh, yeah. that were failing on your body. So we have to look ahead with, a, with our warranty and the expectation you know, for Borla to be able to make those valves serviceable. Because you know anything with moving parts at some point is going to need service. So, so. so big question for me is how do you make an EcoBoost sound cool? Look, <laughs> is it not possible? You got to love the motor for what it is. And this, it go, is. this yeah, goes do. beyond this goes beyond EcoBoost, right? We don't, an exhaust system doesn't make the note. The exhaust system shapes the sound of the motor and some of the, you know, second and third order sounds that come, you know, but the exhaust system is, is just shaping what's there, right? So we're not going to try to make an EcoBoost sound like a Coyote. We're not gonna, I mean, it's just not gonna happen. And You it's could not. sell an amplifier and speakers that uh, you could bolt up under the truck. Yeah, Ford, I got Ford that. already does that we, we got, their speaker system. We got some of that stuff coming too for EVs, but we can talk about that later. But when it comes yeah. to internal combustion motors, we've learned to really sort of um, embrace the, the note of the motor itself and to try and make it sound the best for what it is. So um, we understand how EcoBoost sounds and we make them sound the best that they can. If, if an individual, you know, doesn't prefer the sound of an EcoBoost, that's a subjective thing. And, uh, you know, it sort of is what it is. Everybody's entitled to their opinion. But uh, we're really happy with what we're able to do with EcoBoost. Um, and, you know, that we, we love the sound of the motor. It does take um, some, some special tricks to kind of get the objectionable frequencies out and to kind of bring out or amplify the, the kind of stuff everybody wants to hear. Because like we were talking about, not um, all V6s sound like garbage. No, no, I mean, not at all, actually. I, you know, I had a Volkswagen R32 oh, there you 15 go. years ago, um, and that thing, you know, had a real growl Nissan to it. GTR yeah, those, or VQ oh, yeah, V6s, oh, yeah. they, those things yeah. sound awesome. Uh -huh. um, so, the, Nissan's figured it out somehow. Yeah, I mean, look, but those these EcoBoost motors are great motors. So, yeah. you know, I mean, it is what it is. And I think Ford accomplished what they wanted to accomplish with it, and we're able to kind of give it a little more flavor on sound. Now, but, we know the uh, Raptor R is coming out. Are you uh, mm -hmm. salivating at doing a V8 oh, exhaust yeah. to one of these things? Yeah, of course, absolutely. <laughs> well, what's going on there? So I'm straddling this exhaust as I try to mic uh, David here. <laughs> what What is happening with the spaghetti down here? They've That's One the, tube is dramatically the, longer than the other wrapped around. Those like, are the loops that, to make them equal length. Yeah, it's kind of funny because the equal length thing, as far as I know, was always about manifolds, right? It was about primaries, sure. having equal, equal primaries. So um, the equal length sort of um, language, I think, is a little bit of a catchphrase. But I can tell you that this stock exhaust system sounds great. Yeah, like it, it really it's a huge improvement great. over the old they, Raptor, They did for a sure. really nice yeah. job with it. It's super smooth. And the idea is to get, so you, you sort of want the pulses from from both banks or from all the banks of the engine and all the all the different cylinders kind of mixing together at the right time you know and i think that's really what this is about more than a power thing because typically when you talk about equal length it has something to do with scavenging on a on a, a manifold you know and that's not what this is about so i think this is more of a sound thing they call it a trombone loop um, uh, it really looks more like a French horn to me, but I feel like we're in the mall at Wetzel's Pretzels. I'm not <laughs> yeah, joking; yeah. like that's a pretzel yeah. right there. But um, it, it sounds great. You know, um, we put our um, switch fire technology in there, which is a patented X-pipe technology that we have. I can show you when we when we go upstairs, and um, it, it changed the note a lot. What what our job is is to make it sound different. I'm not so arrogant as to say that we go out there and make it sound better. Will we be able to hear this today? Is it uh, ready? No, it's not, not done. This it's not done yet. It's not done yet. We have a lot more. Well, I guess we have you something bastard. to come back for. 
Yeah, without a doubt. <laughs> I'd be happy to show it to you. Um, we also use that Switchfire technology on the T-Rex, which I can show you more of that. But what I was going to say is that uh, even though this exhaust system sounds great from the factory, every single one of these trucks sounds the same, right? And so there are certain individuals that just want some sort of personalization. Um, and so, you know, I'm not hating on this exhaust. It's awesome, you know, but we're able to do something a lot different where immediately everybody's going to go, whoa, that one sounds different. Well, than Borla every, does build else. excitement. So yes, exactly. you have to make and what sure. about light weighting home? I mean, a lot of times these things, I mean, look at this. This yeah, is, I mean, we're, we're not joking about a 55 gallon drum. It's a, we'll probably cut half the weight out of this yeah. thing. You know, it's a 6,000 pound truck. I mean, most of these guys. They don't care. Exactly. Some of them do, but well, mo we're most of them But a lot of the applications, you're, you're like on yeah. a sports car, you're taking yeah. significant yeah. weight yeah. out. Without a doubt, yes. And uh, which helps everything from fuel economy to acceleration times. And we should remind everybody too, T304 stainless steel, yeah, million mile warranty, right. mm -hmm. no drone guarantee on exactly. any of your exhaust. Yep. And uh, you know, we take care of all the customers personally. So if you buy a boiler exhaust system, you ever have a problem with it now or a million miles later, just contact us directly and we'll take care of you. You can even contact me directly. Uh, one of the other cool things about this exhaust system is that collector. So uh, you, uh, there are three outlets on the muffler, and uh, so all of those go into a collector together. So those, that collector with three sort of inlets is a, pretty cool, is a pretty cool piece. And as you can see, it's also an X-pipe. You see, if you look down below, you see how it's also an X-pipe. So it's a collector with those three outlets from the muffler coming into it, and then it's an X-pipe also. So, um, and explain on the, on the X-pipe here again, what's the goal? So the goal of an X-pipe is really, especially when it's this far down after the muffler, right? You're not getting any of that scavenging. Yeah, at this this is all sound it's still, It's all right? sound. And so the idea is really, again, to blend the sound. And so they didn't put an X-pipe up front because they have this trombone loop. So they added it in the back, you know? And, and again, like the individual pulsing of the, of the um, you know, uh, uh, of like the each cylinders. Made, yeah. You, when, when you can really make out each individual pulse, it's just not a great sound, you know? Uh, you're looking for something a little bit smoother. It's Less just, UPS truck and tractor yeah, and exactly. more auditory delight. Yes. Right. Well, I'll yeah. tell you, when I went on the, the Raptor Media Drive, they had a, the rolling chassis without a body on it, and they were very proud of the work that went into the exhaust to make the exhaust sound better. And I, I, I agree be. it sounds way they better than be. the previous generation. They should be. And, and to your really point cool. about not being about power, the power is the same, but the sound is way better. Yeah, it really is. Well, let's take a trip through this uh, R&D facility yeah, and see be what's going on. Before we do, do you want to describe it? How big it is, what you do here, the types oh, sure. of materials? So this is an 18,000 square foot facility. Our headquarters in Tennessee is a 350,000 square foot facility. Wow. And, and in Tennessee, that's our headquarters. That's where we manufacture. The majority of our employees are there. Uh, in California here is where we develop all of our products. So this is our R&D facility, kind of like a skunk works yeah. place. Um, prior to the pandemic, we had sales and marketing customer service here too, but uh, all of those individuals are work, still working from home, so the, the offices upstairs are empty. But down here in, in R&D, this is where we develop everything for De defense contracts, we, you know, um, Singer Porsche we do here. Oh, wow. Um, every Borla product, everything we do for GM, and. Uh, GM performance and Ford performance and, and and I'm looking around I'm seeing jigs and I'm seeing uh, uh, four post lifts and I'm seeing pallet racks filled with exhaust jigs I'm assuming those are probably a mix of uh, stock and R&D exhausts over the years yeah things like that very well said and then um, all these jigs you see are sort of current projects okay so if you imagine we have a million mile warranty 
We've been in business since 1978. So some of those 78 cars are coming up on their million miles now and they need uh, the exhaust? <laughs> Look, whatever, <laughs> if, somebody, update. if somebody has a problem with something they bought from us in the 80s, we want to stand behind it. So. How often does that happen? Does it? Does someone come back with with a million mile car? Not very often. Not often. And first of all, if they did, we'd still honor it, even if they were beyond a million miles. I mean, like, let's take photos. Oh yeah, that's that social gold right the there. Anyway, you know. So uh, what I'm getting at is that just that we have to keep all those fixtures. So sure. we have thousands of fixtures in Tennessee, or jigs as you call them. Um, these are just sort of current projects that we've been working on recently. And not only do you have to have final assembly uh, fixtures, but every subcomponent has to have a fixture too. Sure. So even like the tiniest little bend inside a muffler has to have its own fixture. And then we have like laser validation and a whole quality process in Tennessee um, to make sure everything fits because when the guys on the line are running an exhaust system, they don't have the vehicle to test fit it on. You know what I'm hearing? So. Road trip to Tennessee. That's what I should heard we about five minutes ago. I think yeah. what we should do is grab a uh, windowless rendition van. We'll just pull up outside, grab David, throw a pillowcase over him, and then <laughs> three days later he'll wake up in Tennessee and we'll be like, show us more. <laughs> no, he was like, I would have just flown here with you. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that exhaust on that van sucks. <laughs> Can we have at least put a border on it before we left? <laughs> they love their trucks down there. I guess they do. Let's walk around All here. Right. So, um, we deliberately split the R&D floor into two. And so you see the racks going down the middle and they kind of separate the facility. And the reason for that is that whatever we develop here um, has to be manufacturable, right? We don't want to make, as my father used to say, art pieces that can't be uh, recreated. And the guys in Tennessee, they're um, laser focused on manufacturing. So when they were Is that a pun? Because you have laser. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Thank you for catching that. Exhausts with lasers. <laughs> yeah. Sharks. Sharks <laughs> yeah, with lasers. Yeah. So they want a complete production package delivered where they can just go right to the floor and make parts. They don't want to have to deal with tooling or little special things or whatever. Right. So these. So on the other side of the racks, we'll get there later. We have a recreation of one of our production cells in Tennessee. So basically, the guys over there are constantly validating that whatever the guys here are making can be repeatable and in a lot of cases they have to make tooling you know to send along with the package or in some cases we even build uh, purpose-built machines to make a certain muffler shape or whatever and we send that whole thing to Tennessee the guys in the middle here <clears throat> are kind of supporting both they do what's what we call bench work so these guys are doing all the bench work these guys are our master fab fabricators working on the lifts and then we have more like manufacturing engineer type guys on the other side making sure that it's all manufacturable I'm looking around on the floor here, and there's just uh, all sorts of like little treasures. There's a two and a half, three inch, mandrel bent, stainless, S-type, touring, attack, different kinds of uh, exhaust tips, different sizes, angles. He's got Sharpie all markings all over them with measurements and yeah. cut points and such. I'm curious, David, how often are you chasing manufacturers as they change an existing you know, year make model? So let's say a new, Chevy Silverado comes out and then they move a hanger one year. If they change a hanger, we need to develop an entirely new part number. Probably don't need a new muffler or whatever, but it's it's we got to bring the truck in and we got and we're going to need a new part number, you know, so a tiny little nuance like that can cause us to have to have a new part number and that's a big part of the game is keeping up with all that stuff, you know. And how do you get the vehicles in here because I mean it's a constant influx of new part numbers. So we're really lucky, you know, we've been around a long time and we've developed a lot of relationships and we're, we're, we're fortunate to have a good reputation. So 
Um, the OEs themselves, we do a lot of work with the OEs, and so in, in a lot of cases we get the vehicle straight from the OE. In some cases, before it's even available to the public, we're already working on that platform. Um, we have relationships with the, the local dealers here in California, in Oxnard, and in Tennessee, in Johnson City, Tennessee also. You know, they'll, they'll loan us vehicles, and we'll help them with some exhaust work, or, you know, it's sort of like a nice give and take. Um, Oxnard has uh, quite a bit of automotive kind of activity here, and we all help each other out, just like in the whole world, right? Car guys kind of look out and, for and each other. And there's sort of, I mean, you wouldn't necessarily think about it, but there is manufacturing around here. There's a lot of defense and defense yeah, contractors. Uh -huh. You've got Vandenberg not too far away. Yep. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure the skill set of engineers uh, is actually fairly prevalent here in this part of the, buddy, the state. Sean from Empire Fab is like two blocks from here. Mm -hmm. Oh, is he? Yeah. I need mm -hmm. to bring him my uh, flat fender. Yes, you do. And then um, end users, you know, I mean, we're, it's amazing to us. It's a beautiful thing. It's fun. We're in the heart of the car culture. There are guys that, you know, get a brand new Raptor and, and the first thing they do is bring it to us. You know, have it for as long as you want. I like those guys. I, I, might get, I can be friends with those guys. I might know someone with a TRX who might need some right love on. from you. Right on. Yeah. And, uh, and, and that individual gets to be part of the process. They can come, check it out. We can talk about what we're doing, go on test drives together. It's kind of fun, fun for them, too. So between... Lightning needs a friend like that. You guys <laughs> may, should do that. I think I'm standing right next to him. I'm going to, uh, <laughs> yeah. and then I'm going to buy him a beer later. Uh, sometimes we buy a vehicle. Like, we knew we were going to work on the Bronco and we were going to want to make videos and do some cool stuff with it. And so if we're going to put a lot of miles on it, we'll buy one, um, you know, and, and wrap it and kind of use it for that and then right. eventually sell it. So those are kind of the ways we get the vehicles. And it's a big part of what we do. Without getting those vehicles, we can't do anything. Let's so. walk up the center over here. Yeah, sure. What so, type uh, of proprietary machinery do you have here? And what do you use it for? So we build a lot of these machines ourselves, I think, and I can't even show it to you actually. But uh, the, the process, because we have a room over there with a door on it that's closed. We have an ability to build exhaust systems without having a vehicle if we can get the CAD data. And it's something we got very good at, and it's something that is very helpful in our defense activities. Because yeah, sure. in a lot of cases, we're not even allowed to know what the vehicle is. You um, just get that. It's a need to know. And yeah, you need to know the exhaust system. Just, and, and all they give us is the envelope for the exhaust system, and we have some very particular points we have to sure. meet. And so we have a coordinate measuring machine process that we built ourselves um, that allows us to kind of do that stuff. And also helps if we can get CAD data, um, you know, like on the new, the new Raptor yep. R or whatever, we'll get yep. CAD data on that and we can work on the geometry and all that stuff. At least kind um, of a pregame before an actual yeah. truck comes in and kind of understand where the mounting points and all that stuff. Um, you know, otherwise, we, you know, we have welders and benders and expanders and reducers. And By the way, I want to be your stainless steel salesman, <laughs> whatever company that is. Yeah, we use qu quite a bit of stainless steel. Um, this is just, you know, these guys are building fixtures. I'm not even sure exactly what that is over there. It's pretty um, cool looking. It is like, hold, hold on a second. Wait, 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 I just would, don't want to blow past this. Look at this. This jig, well, we, he's calling it a fixture. We're calling it a jig. I feel like we're layman. Um, you are definitely lame. Uh, well, yeah, we know this, but look how so intricate it, this so fixture is. This how do we even coming, describe this? Well, it's basically a Y, but the Y, one of the Ys goes into a uh, trombone or trumpet loop. Mm -hmm. The other is basically straight out. And then it's really interesting how they've, they've got a, the Y here reduces in size from like a three, three and a half. Yeah, down the collectors to a, probably would have, yep, yeah, two. three and a half to twos. So, so all those diameters and lengths are how we tune the sound. Right, and then you're always watching flow. So 
some of the Sharpie stuff that you saw on those mufflers is, is, is just flow data. Mm -hmm. So while we're manipulating the sound, we have to make sure that we outflow the stock exhaust also. But, but so are you blowing air through them at points during yeah, the... Yeah, that's that flow bench Okay, over there. got it. That's and then, it, yeah. but you don't actually know sound until you bolt it onto the vehicle, right? Uh, my, I'm holding my ear right now, which you can't <laughs> see, and this is still the best measuring device for sound. Yeah, awesome. You know? and, um, and, and obviously with, uh, you know, uh, exhausts under fire in certain jurisdictions, there's that New York law that was passed, which yep. is different than what people think it is. It if is, you actually read yeah. it, it's not changing the rules at all. It's basically changing enforcement of it in a fine. But and it's impossible to enforce anyway, but that's a whole Of course, story. but the, you know, it, it may dissuade people from wanting to do an aftermarket exhaust. How do you ensure that you're within the decibel limits and things? Because there are people who maybe live in a gated community or uh, some strict town where they want to have an exhaust. So the problem, with the, the problem with the New York law specifically, yeah. and this happens a lot, is that there really isn't, no, or there isn't a standard. Right. Right. So in California, we have a standard with a decibel meter right. at a certain, like the officer has to actually go behind the vehicle a certain distance with the decibel meter and has to prove that in court. It's no longer an ear like it was a long time ago. Right. So we can re we can recreate that test here. We do it. We test everything we do, you know, and we're very sort of open about the decibel level of what of everything that we do. We don't have that information on every single municipality everywhere in the world. Of course not. Like we just don't, you know. So what we do is we offer it based on the California test, and then the onus is on the owner to to two things really in reality. One is understand the law of your area, but there's another side of this too as car guys, and this isn't going to help me in a court of law, but <laughs> yeah. I'll say it anyway. Just don't be a bad person. Yeah, be respectful. You know what I'm saying? Like, you really, like, believe me, there's, be not, there's not a police officer in the world that wakes up in the morning and is, like, looking forward to pulling somebody over for a loud exhaust. It's <laughs> yeah. really not what they got into it for. Yeah. You know, so just be a good person and use it the right way. The thing about a Borla exhaust is that the accelerator really is your volume pedal. You sure. know? So if you're in a residential area and you want to limp through or mellow. whatever, and, and it's not going to be too loud. There are other exhaust systems that get very objectionable under low RPM. You know, we, we make sure we don't do that. Most good exhaust systems don't. So you know, I, but if you I want to feather a... it through, through your residential neighborhood or you see a police officer, you know, and then when you're out in the middle of nowhere, no one's around, you lay into it, nobody's going to bother you. Here, uh, you may be able to, to confirm this. I heard that officers, when they're listening for a loud exhaust, can tell the sweet note of Borla's and they leave those vehicles alone. Right, so you'll, you should get those on your truck if, if you want that, uh, that, that sweet sounding exhaust and you want the officer to go, you know what? Maybe a little loud, but oh, it's so beautiful. I just, I'm gonna oh, let them go. It, it's heavenly. It's right? heavenly, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, we- uh, Hey, pipe down over there! <laughs> Somebody's doing some actual work. Yeah. <laughs> not like us today. Oh, no, not, not us. like myself. Um, so uh, we have quite a few police officers that are, are fans of Borla. We work with um, a lot of police departments have youth programs yep. where they're trying to um, basically stop street racing. Yeah. And so they encourage kids to get into cars the right way. And, uh, and so we sponsor a whole bunch of those programs and we actually work with the police. And so... Um, again, this isn't going to help in a car to law, but I, I am certain that if a certain police officer see Borla, um, you know, it, 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 you know, probably says something. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah it says that this is an engineered exhaust and not something somebody cobbled together on the garage floor and augured the, uh, you know, every bit out of the muffler. But I think there's a big difference. You know, if you're loud for loud's sake, yeah. if you're trying to upset people. Yeah, that's different. Like, yeah, and we don't do that. Yeah. We don't. You know, like, there's a reason why our exhaust systems are loud. And there's a reason why they're loud where, where in the RPM range and how the driving experience works. It's about that visceral connection to the vehicle, you know. And so, um, again, when you're cruising and you set the cruise control at 55, 60, 65, nobody wants to hear yeah. for Hence four the no hours. drone guarantee. Yeah, yeah. And it's, but it's, it's the same at low RPMs when you're feathering it going through a yeah. neighborhood or whatever. Like, when you, when you start it, you want to hear it? Everybody yeah. wants to hear yeah, that, especially that a cold start, yep. you know? Yep. And then under You want to get big views on a YouTube channel, just write cold start cold before start, your video. Yeah. Is that what Even it is? It has nothing to do with a car. Can I, I, I should start. do that with the TRX against the garage door because I will tell you on a, on a, you're here at the coast. I live in Huntington Beach. You get a dewy morning that's about 45 outside in uh, springtime and you fire that up. It's the four streets over. Know yeah. that you're getting ready yeah. to go to work. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and some of the newer vehicles are coming with, with uh, valves, yeah. you know, so you can, Sort of program it on uh, cold 392 start to keep it closed. The right uh, the Raptor obviously has their exhaust valve, so there's a few things out there in the truck market that are doing that. I was surprised to see the 392 and the Raptor both have it, and TRX doesn't. Mm -hmm. And although, I, wait a minute, maybe David has the answer because David <laughs> in the TRX, there, when you put it in sport mode, it gets louder, and yet we crawled under. Holman's long-term TRX, and we cannot find a valve. Are they tricking us with audio inside, or are they doing something? They're not doing it with the ignition. I mean, with the cam timing, maybe. You think they're doing it with cam timing? Could be. That's, that's, that's typically the that's the the sort of most obvious way to get okay. there. Okay. All right. It's noticeable. I'm gonna check cabin. my sources and uh, and we'll find out. Hey, does it bug you? It, it has to. The companies that are just building systems, exhaust systems, to be loud because you get, all get painted with the same brush. Yeah, that's a big problem. You know, when somebody's in their house and some nasty exhaust system drives by and it, you know rattles the windows or wakes their kids then they go down to vote you know next month and there's something on there about loud exhaust systems they're all just going to vote against the exhaust system and it is that is a big problem and even motorcycles we don't do anything for motorcycles and you know motorcycle wakes somebody up and it affects us but um, from a competitive standpoint you know we're very proud of what we're able to do and uh, and there are a few of our competitors that are sort of at that level too and are trying to do the right thing. Um, but like I said before, if you're trying to upset somebody and you're just trying to be the loudest and it's just not who we are and not what we're trying to do, um, you know, there are other ways to do that. There are quite a few videos on YouTube that I'm really proud of, um, which are end users that had straight pipes and came to the conclusion that they did not like the straight pipes and they put on our exhaust system and in some cases, our exhaust system is even louder than the straight pipes at, at wide open throttle, but it doesn't have anything objectionable going on. I think I hear something at wide open throttle right now. All right. <laughs> they're, they're cutting pipes. Yeah. So, uh, Hold saw. Uh, this is defense work. I can't tell you who it's for. And this is a process called furnace brazing, which is a pretty cool process. Yeah, that looks like a giant, uh, some sort of a collector or stack that has a uh, ribbed expansion joint between two pipes and so, if you know what I'm talking about then good for you if you don't you don't need to know that well, so that that's that's more than five that's a six up there those pipes are six inch 
and that is some beautiful TIG welding going on right yeah, there. Lightning's very yeah, uh, aware of anything over five inches. <laughs> How dare you? So you've got a sensor, a bung welded in the bottom over here. We're never going to know what this goes in because he won't tell us, but beautiful work on that is just, that is a massive exhaust piece. Holy hey, look, crap. Carbon fiber exhaust tips. Wait, what? Carbon fiber exhaust tips. I mean, I heard you other would, oh, and what is that for? Awesomeness. Definitely not for a defense project, I can <laughs> tell you that. So I'm not sure what they're for. Uh, I can find out. I mean, we, we, we sell a lot of exhaust systems with carbon fiber tips. I'm not, just not sure exactly which ones are. The fitment. If you look, it looks like it has some sort of ball joint attachment on it. Yeah. Wait, hold on a second. Yeah, it's, it kind of widens out at the bottom so there. I would bet that this is for a, um, a charger or a challenger. And this is uh, kind of the next generation of your patented intercool tips, right? Because yes, you've got exactly. essentially your intercooler. If you if you recognize the traditional Borla intercooler look, it basically has the intercooler on the inside, and then the tip itself on the outside is uh, carbon fiber. So it's got vents basically that uh, use a is it a venturi action that will draw in cooler air from outside? Yeah, I don't think it's venturi, but yes, it, it and it is about heat and it is about drawing in cool air. So. You're drawing in cool air from the from the back, and then also you're sort of keeping the the, the touch you know of this pipe on the inside. It's it's limiting the amount of surface area that's touching. On For the a couple reasons. Fiber. One, if your if your exhaust is uh, the tip sticks out a little bit, you don't want to burn the fascia or melt it, mm -hmm. and you don't want people walking by to hit their leg on it, mm -hmm. and then you, exactly. you burn them as well. Also, carbon fiber is very sensitive to heat over time. So we you know if we're able to lower this, and we can lower it by you know more than 100 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh wow, that's a big by difference. By using this, and that. That can be the difference between sort of the number that the carbon fiber is able to handle. It's a combination of used like standing like standoffs. So the uh, the sheath of carbon fiber is about an inch away from the hot pipe. Right. Exactly. But also it's blending the cool and hot air together. Also, if you notice, the gap on the top's a little bit bigger than the gap on the bottom. Yeah. And that's because um, you know the gases want to want to go up. Oh, they want to rise. Yeah. That makes sense. So there's a lot of uh, engineering in that piece. Yeah. And it looks cool. So this is uh, Singer Porsche. We're building exhaust Which are amazing vehicles. And, uh, for for, oh, for those, I mean, that's high-end Porsche stuff. Can we give the 30-second backstory as to who Singer is and why they're important? So they take like older Porsches. Yeah, I mean, but there's a particular one. that I think they're using the 993 or one, one of those bodies. Yeah. And they, they strip the whole thing down. They dip the entire body in something that, you know, Unobtainium. Yeah, whatever it is. And I mean, they build the whole thing from scratch and it's really the Porsche everybody wants because you look at those 911s and you think they drive a certain way and they really don't. And these guys, you know, and they don't really have the fit and finish that people expect. And so Singer takes it and really makes it what everybody thinks it should be and what, what it really should be. And um, sound is a big part of it. And they really wanted something very particular as far as a note is concerned, the owner and founder of that company is a musician. So, you know, he's very particular about how he wants his cars to sound. And we must have worked with them for two and a half years. Oh my gosh. Dial it, dialing in the sound. And we're just now starting to These, to these things are unbelievable. Systems. I mean, it's, it's mechanical art. It's so beautiful. The welds, the, the bungs, the expansion joints. I mean, everything about it, just the way the tubing all runs together. It's, it's absolutely stunning how pretty an exhaust can be. Thank All you, and the technology inside those mufflers, you can't see inside, but there's a lot of technology going on inside those mufflers. Do you have any uh, Volkswagen Beetle applications? Not anymore, but it, ironically, that's what my dad started with. I mean, that was 
really the very beginning of Borla goes back to air-cooled Volkswagen. It, would that fixture exist somewhere? No. <laughs> no. So David, inside, is this the muffler or is that a cat? What is that material that I can see up inside, that kind of honeycomb material, right up in there? That's a catalytic converter. Okay, that explains mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. they had, they're fully emissions legal and um, you know, so they have a very specific cat that has to be in a very specific location. And as you can see there, we kind of combined it with a muffler because packaging on those cars is really difficult. Yeah. The engine's in the back, the exhaust, of course, exits in the back. So you have, you know, a, and foot, air -cooled. A, foot, a foot of space to work with. Yeah. yeah. And they're, you know, so we had to find a way to kind of make it all work. And that, that other muffler that you see kind of attached up here, this is probably empty. Yes. Here it's empty. Yep. So that is just canceling a very specific frequency. So the length of this pipe, the diameter of this pipe, the shape of this, the amount of volume that's in there, it's all to tune out a very specific frequency. It's almost like a Heimholds resonator. It's not almost, it is. It is. Yeah, yeah it is. It's kind of like what the, uh, the car stereo guys do with their fifth order enclosures, sub boxes, things yeah. like that, right? Yes, yeah, or uh, speaker design, you know, it, it, loudspeaker design uses the same, all loudspeaker design uses it. So you said two words a moment ago that pricked my interest, emissions legal. Mm -hmm. Tell me where Borla is on that scope. Like, I mean, everything you have is carries a carbio or doesn't affect emissions, correct? Correct. Yeah. We don't remove, relocate, or replace any emissions control devices. And you can't get an EO if you do any of those things. So it's sort of one and the same. Is it difficult working around some of those OE pieces because you're trying to alter the note, make it musical? I would imagine you're hemstrung by the factory piece that you can't move. Or, or do you, you know, just say, screw it, and you make your own that does sound the way you do it, that passes? I think we have parameters we have to work within, you know, and of course we'd all love to be able to do stuff, and, but, but it's not legal, and the size of this company and who we are and our DNA, you know, I think where it gets frustrating is just sort of how the stuff is enforced, who they enforce against, yeah. they, you know, they pick and choose Arbitrary who sometimes. they're going to enforce against. Unfortunately, you know, we advertise on, you know, major networks, and so they you know they're going to come after us but but there's a whole bunch of people out there doing it that they don't care about and so that aspect of it is sort of frustrating for us because we'd love to be able to do it too or like it should be an even playing field yeah you know and so that part of it bothers me there's a big problem with sort of how they do it the very selectively side. enforced yeah and it's it's um it's nefarious they're predators you know and that's a problem but as far as the technical side of it we'll work within what you know and you know, given an, given a, an even playing field, a level playing field, we are very confident and we, you know, but it's like if one guy's allowed to take a cat off and we can't, yeah. you know, that's, that's not cool. It's not cool. Yeah. So, but it is what it is. We got to work with it within, within it. And so uh, I can unequivocally say that there, we have no parts that remove, relocate or replace any emissions control devices. So we're looking at a rack here up against the wall that has probably a 20 foot length of pipe. I think so. In all sorts of different perforated and different diameters and sizes, everything about it. Those uh, perforated pieces of tubing, I've never seen those before. Is that something that you have custom fabricated for you? The perf patterns are very particular and we use different perf patterns for different um, you know, applications. And so the size and shape and locations of all those holes matter. You can't treat all perforated material the same. We have some micro perf that we're working with 
recently. And so short answer is, yeah, there, there's some, something very specific about that perforated pipe. I, I would imagine that you're trying to pass gases through them and then the, the, the sound waves go through the perf, but also the perf itself has its own resonance. It does. Yeah, it does. It shapes the sound in its own way. And also, you got to watch out a little bit. It's got a sort of a cheese grater effect on the, on the um, exhaust gases, too. So, you know, it's, it, can, it can actually create a little bit of restriction if, if you have the wrong kind of perf pattern or if, if the perforations are cut the wrong way. You know, if you, if you have little burrs on the inside. It causes turbulence. Know, yeah, that, exactly, that kind of stuff. Uh, this machine is a good example of a machine we built ourselves. So this is a four-axis plasma cutter with a welder on, on it, and it's, it's CNC awesome. controlled. Right, so the, op the operator would just program it, it's, or, or it's already programmed. All the operator has to do is press the green button, and it, it cuts it and welds it all programmed That's on its awesome. own. That's awesome. So we built this entire machine, programmed it ourselves, and either this machine is going to go to Tennessee, or they built two of them, which is probably, or more. Maybe we have five of them in Tennessee. Wow. So we got to make sure that whatever we have... Uh, so that's really, it, it's about the more ops, right? Is that what they say, the, the more operations um, that one machine can do, the better, right? The fewer touches by a human? Yes, um, but keep in mind that we are in a niche business, right? We're not a, we're not a tier one exhaust manufacturer where we're making 100,000 of the same exhaust system. You know, we're, we're, we're making much smaller quantities of a larger product line. We have over 1,000 part numbers. We can't always get the economies to scale. In a business class, what you're saying is 100% bulletproof, rock solid, you're gonna pass your test, whatever. Congratulations, Lightning. In, uh, <laughs> in, reality, in reality for us, um, you know, the proliferation of part numbers makes that a little, bit, a little bit difficult. So we have to sort of pick and choose. This is obviously for something that we sell a lot of. Yeah. Gotcha. You know. um, so as we come through here, this Look at all the stainless steel hardware. Some of Your that hardware might, bin is awesome. You got bandsaw. That might fall into my. Some of those might fall into my pockets here accidentally. Uh, one thing you'll notice about this area that we're in right now is that you won't see anything computer controlled. That's not. I mean, he, these guys built that machine, and so these are the guys that are using old school, you know, uh, hand operated stuff. Oh, bridge ports. Wow, a bridge. That's know. that's a hell of a machine right there. Those are incredibly valuable and sought after in uh, the secondary and third and fourth markets. Can I tell you something? This is, this is something we've probably had since the 70s yeah. in Brooklyn. Bridge ports are awesome. I bet this is an original machine my dad had. That is so cool. Uh, pipe bender. This, this is a machine that was made. Don't ever let me before. in here alone on a weekend because I would just all <laughs> weld like a skeleton man oh, and uh, he's booger welds. Really bad <laughs> booger welds. I think our insurance company wouldn't allow that to happen. <laughs> And so this here is continuous uh, fiber filament. Back oh, in yeah. the day, it used to be fiberglass. Yeah. But now we're now we're using the, everybody's using this stuff. It's purpose built for mufflers, and so it's like single strand. You see how it's like a, it's like a strand. Oh wait a minute! Hold on a second. Okay, so he's got a huge roll. What we're looking at is this machine. It's a, a, a armature that's way up in the air with a hinge, and on the backside, the uh, I know it's like a fishing line, right? Yeah, I guess uh, it's, like a fishing pole. Yeah, but yeah, it is. It's just like a fishing. Well, pole. it looks like uh, Barbie's hair. If yeah, you've got I'm a four-year-old like I do, and you have Barbie's hair, that's exactly. It kind of comes in a roll, you know, and, it, and we feed it through here. We made all this. Yeah, it goes up. Thing. It goes up through a flute, and then, uh, yeah, and over around. Uh, so up now, over. Now and what do you do with this? So the operator would put the muffler on here, right? Go down here with a gun, and fill it up. Shoot, shoot! Like there's a, actually a trigger here. 
And then there's a certain weight or amount that goes through in it'll, each one? It'll cut off immediately. Okay. It, no, it knows the, the packing volume. And yep. then the, the sort of fun thing about this is, so this is a vacuum. <laughs> so it pulls it in. So essentially what's happening is on this, uh, imagine a, a short table that yeah, has a, a hole, a coffee table that has a hole in it with a vacuum on one side and you would put one end of the muffler well, on that. I can that, have fun with this machine. And you would turn it. <laughs> that's also not allowed by Borlas Insurance. <laughs> gotcha, yeah. uh, and then you fill the strand in, but it, it, not only are you putting the strand of the fiberglass in, it's sucking it down as well to help pack it. That is really cool. So what David just did was he put a plastic cup over it to show how the uh, plastic cup would just deform crumble. and crumble yeah. under the, uh, the vacuum of this table. So you really wouldn't be able to Not use a chair lighting. <laughs> Not a chair. I really no. wouldn't be able to use this gun without the vacuum. Because it, it would just, just lay in there, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know. uh, don't look at the welder, obviously. Okay. Don't so, look at the bright light, kids. Lorenzo, give us one sec, sorry. Thank you. This is Lorenzo. He's been with us for Damn. 25 years or more. 22, 22 years. Well, uh, who's counting? I feel like I've seen you somewhere before at a you car show or something, yeah. yeah. He's, he's part of our family and He's a master fabricator, um, probably our, our big, our main master fabricator. He's here making valves, which is really like way below his level. And he's here to help out and we have a family business and I just want to acknowledge that um, because he really, awesome. he really should be making headers for race cars. You know? <laughs> um, but as you can see, we manufacture our own valves. With the logo emblazoned on them and, as well. Uh, the, Cast know, into the ring that the valve is This is your in. custom casting, everything, everything, all of it. It has our name on it, you see? Yeah. Very cool. And everything in there, all the stuff, you know, we're, we're building the whole thing. We designed it. And, uh, you know, every car has a different strategy. One opens one way, one opens the other way. And, you know, so we have to kind of have all that together. Are, are some, you've got electric overs, are there pneumatic ones as well or no? For a long time, we saw no pneumatic. In the beginning, they were all pneumatic. Yeah. Then everybody went electric. We didn't see a pneumatic valve for like, 10 years. Then all of a sudden the Rubicon 392 shows up with yeah. pneumatic valves on. Is that pneumatic? Yeah. So I don't know why. It works fine, whatever. Old school engineer went yeah. on and said I'm bringing it back. Were there, were there problems with one versus the other or no? Not as far as I know. You know, I mean everybody likes the electric ones because they're computer controlled and yeah. it's not mechanical so you can sort of, you know, have a button where you're just, you know, it'll just do it. But, um, and so this stuff here is uh, um, validation or testing. They test every one or every five or something like We're that. We're looking at a bench sure. that has a bunch of uh, boreless valves on it. and Some are gold colored yeah, and you, some are not. You can see this box like clearly is not a retail thing. We built this one ourselves. That's why it doesn't say anything on it. You know? And this is to test a particular valve. And then these all get delivered to Tennessee and they just weld them in place. Gotcha. Right? So this is sort of a precision parts. Um, so are you putting in bronze bushings right now? Is that for basically what the pivot is for the valve? Yes, that's what I'm doing. I'm basically assembling the first part. This is the second part of assembly, which I assemble, press at a certain compression, and you know, what works with the bearings and everything inside to keep it from seizing when it's hot. It's awesome. I mean, they're just they're little works of art. I probably buy at least 10 of our competitors' exhaust systems every year and uh, put them on a vehicle, take it home, live with it for a while. I do see a Schmagna uh, Schmlo <laughs> one down there. Uh, David, you're, you're, you're an honest guy. How, how often are you impressed by the competitors and then how often 
do you go seriously that's how you solve that problem like really so i do my research and i i only buy the stuff from the competitors that are sort of you know well respected by the community if if, if i can see that some, you know people are are bagging on some an exhaust i don't need to hear that you know um, and we like our competitors. We need competitors. It's not fun to race alone. Yeah, right. And um, I think what's most important to us is kind of what we were talking about earlier, that we want competitors that do it at a high level, you know? And I'm, fr right I'm friends with our competitors. We, you know, it's, we, we're in this together. The end users need a good selection of parts to choose from, and, you know, that's what makes this fun. So I'm always looking to differentiate our product from the competitors it's not about being better i think it's up to the end users to decide which ones they like and all that stuff I well, but well, hold on a second but some of your many of your exhaust systems do add performance it's not just about the musicality of the exhaust yeah. i mean they increase maybe five seven horsepower well you're still a car guy like yeah without well, a doubt without a doubt my point is that there are some guys i'm sure you get they're like okay there's no way that that flows properly yeah i mean anybody using a chambered muffler technology you know we already know, we know that that stuff's not going to flow and we are trying to squeeze out as much horsepower as we can but i, I can tell you that um a big difference between my dad's generation and and or when my when my dad was sort of you know doing this and now that i'm doing it is uh it, it's really sound is becoming incredibly more important and and very detailed right and back in the day my dad's generation was really mostly concerned about how it sounded outside the vehicle right they just wanted it to sound bitching outside the vehicle and and that's what they were concerned about the end user today is is as concerned if not more about interior sound well, i think the difference is back then cars didn't really have insulation so the outside yeah. was the experience today you're so isolated in most new vehicles that you want to know what the engine's doing when you hit the throttle and you yep. want to be able to feel it or hear it or yep. have that that visceral reaction because most manufacturers are taking that away because they want these quiet riding cars and trucks where the challenge is getting back to the power side is how to make it sound as good as possible and make as much power as possible so it's not so much that that we can show you a dyno where we're you know back in the day it was like we bolt a muffler on pick up 40 horsepower you know and it was like you know, really, and you know, so now we're still pick up horsepower, and and um, but on the dyno sheet, you know, it's is it ten percent? Is it five? It really, it really depends. It really depends on, well, on you know. And, and would you say that because of you know manufacturers obviously are chasing efficiency, and they have you know pretty good intake and exhaust systems today to get those efficiency goals, and with efficiency comes power because the 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 motor or the engine's working better. Would you say? every exhaust will add some horsepower or is some of them just going to be for vanity and sound and and so you just let, can't let me give you an, i'll tell you let me give you an example okay. of why that's a hard question yeah to yeah answer. it was hard for me to ask if you were, <laughs> i was very circuitous in how you i got started there. that question 25 minutes ago I, yeah sorry about uh, that i may be coming at it sideways with the answer but but follow me for a second <laughs> um so it's very typical for somebody to put on a larger diameter right it's sort of like you want to get more power put on a larger diameter right and so they will quote a, a peak horsepower number sure right and it whatever it is but it's which you'll never touch except for a brief second here okay there. so that's what i'm sort of getting sure. at right so it looks impressive on the dyno sheet everybody wants one number how much horsepower did it get right immediately whenever somebody just gives you one number it's already 
misleading. Suspect. And so to your point, I think what you were getting at is what happens in this example, and it's the most obvious example, is they quote this peak horsepower number, and it's like it's picking up, you know, 25 horsepower. What they don't tell you is that all the aspects of the RPM range that you actually drive in, you're losing power throughout that whole thing, right? So like maybe if the exhaust is oversized or it is. That's what happens, yeah. right? So you're only going to make so in the power. mid range where you spend that time, right? You and the reason the big diameter makes the power is because that at that point you're pushing so much air, sure, that that it needs the larger diameter, right? But yeah. but it, when you're pushing less air. The exhaust gases don't exit the tailpipe. They, it creates turbulence. They hang they're, out with each they're other. They're just hanging out in there, right? I mean, if you think about the way water, some people, um, it's easier for them to think about water than it is, than it is gases, right? If you have um, a certain amount of water flowing through a garden hose, yep. right? It reaches the end, you know, nice flow comes out, right? Take that same amount of water and try to run it through a five foot drainage pipe. Yeah. How long is it gonna take to get out of the other side, sure. right? It's gonna pull up, everything pushing into that pool, you're gonna create back pressure. There's this belief that, you know, a larger pipe means less back pressure, and that's not necessarily true. So if, we're, if we see a competitor or anybody out there quoting a peak horsepower number, our exhaust system at wide open throttle may be one horsepower less, sure. or two horsepower less, but, throughout the entire RPM range, we're picking up significant power. It's hard to communicate that in a bullet point or in, yeah. a, in a social media ad. You because know, it so has to be about drivability and experience, but every, everybody's experience and expectations is so different. How exactly. do you quantify that in a way that they go, yes, this was, had a benefit beyond the sound. The other thing too is that larger diameter is probably gonna cause some objectionable frequencies, right? So we only were talking about power. Now you add sound to the thing, right? And so, you know, you're going to create drone, you're going to create all these objectionable frequencies. So we're, we're taking all of that into account and giving you the best sound, the most power through the whole RPM range, you know. And, and um, we've been doing this long enough and we're fortunate enough to be in a position where I don't have to chase somebody who's lying, you know. I just don't, I don't get into those flame wars yeah. with, with that whole thing, you know. But, and, and I mean this sincerely, like, you should have the confidence when you get something from us that we've validated all that we're getting the most power and the best sound and it's a combination of all that stuff fitment sure. is, an, is another issue durability well i mean we're, we're seeing that david is that we, we walked in we had to walk by your your chassis dyno you know i mean you've got lifts <laughs> yeah. here the guys are flow bench. i mean the flow bench your guys are down here with a micrometer i'm like i mean it's it's serious yeah and in tennessee we have even more validation equipment and um, you know, we're constantly testing and making sure that we give you the best product. Can uh, I go back to that question and then complicate it one step further? No. <laughs> just in <laughs> theory, and you can tell me it, it's, there's no way to know, but let's say you take a internal combustion engine that is normally aspirated from the factory, mm -hmm. and you put a blower on it or a turbo mm -hmm. on it, and you use the factory exhaust. Will the presence of forced induction help you realize the gain if you throw on an aftermarket exhaust? I think it depends on how much power you're adding and how much more air you're flowing. It really, okay. it's just, an engine's just an air pump, right. you know, air in and air out. Yep. So if you're pushing significantly more air, you need a bigger diameter, you do. So if you, I think in your example, what you're saying is you're putting on a larger diameter with a, without doing anything to the motor, and yep. then you make changes to the motor, yes, yep. you will, you will, but you know, 
that's a judgment call for us to a certain extent. And in some cases, we'll, we'll offer more than one diameter for the same vehicle for that reason. Just knowing that it's pretty popular in the aftermarket and people are going to have some, need to have some overhead. Right, well, yeah, and some guys aren't going to do it, sure. right? So we want to have the right diameter for those guys, and some guys are. So we want to have a larger diameter for those guys. Well, but consider it, me the large diameter guy and lighting the uh, narrow gauge guy. You know, but it's, no, no, it's well, hard. Wait, are you talking about your body or your, your thinking downstairs? What are you talking about? Because then it's How about exhaust lighting? Yeah. Why well, you got to make it awkward? And then what we find is also. I like how David just rolls right through it. <laughs> Moving say, on. Uh, say um, you take uh, um, like a, a Hellcat, any of the vehicles that have a Hellcat motor sure. in it, right? Or like a charger, for instance. There's a V6 charger or a 5.7 charger, yep. and then there's a, you know, so we'll have guys that will take our Hellcat exhaust and put it on their 5.7. Oh, okay. You know, and that's fine and all that but stuff. But it's probably not but optimized for yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's really hard to convince a guy with a smaller motor <laughs> yeah. that he doesn't need a large diameter exhaust, you yeah. know? So it's just, in some cases, you just got to give them what they want, you know? This looks like a, uh, your SEMA display or parts of it One here. One of our old SEMA displays. This okay. is our uh, switchfire technology. This is our patented X-pipe technology. Okay, how do we describe this before David explains how it works here? Um, so you've got two in and two out with two, st two straight pipes. Oh boy, okay. Well, here, let me here, do this. Yeah, you you've got two pipes. Yep. Each pipe has a Y and they're facing each other. So you basically go from a single into a dual on both sides. But one of those out of each of those duels is straight and the others cross over to the other side. One of the things that allowed us to patent this was, was the fact that we have collectors on both sides. That is cool. So that's a big part of this. And so this will outperform uh, a standard X-pipe and will sound better than, or sound different anyway than a, than a standard X-pipe. And how would you describe the difference in sound? I mean, is it a, a lopier sound or? It's, uh, it's got a little bit more of a bite to it. And, and it's also smoother at the same time. Okay. Um, but, but more importantly, it's noticeable. Like you'll hear the difference without a doubt. You know, and, and even, even compared to a, a, a regular Borla X-pipe, not just anybody's X-pipe, even our own X-pipes, this, this design sounds different than a regular It's merge, the mix of an X-pipe and a straight pipe together. Which is why, on, which on is why it outperforms. This part of it is clearly why it outperforms. Yeah. And then also, um, there is no, there is no point where the where they come together. It it all happens in the collectors. Yeah. So so it's smoother. So it's not like a traditional X pipe where they're meeting at that joint or yeah. they're meeting at the intersection because the X is still two specific pipes crossing over each other. Right. And then they they collect back in the collector. And yeah. What you'll see on like a stamped X pipe is, you know, it's like a chamber in in between the X and it creates tons of turbulence. So this, this is very smooth. Everything wants to go that way. All right, I'm going to describe this yeah. one more time. Okay, now, all right. I I'll, you have I'm going to grade you one out of right, 10, 10 being best. Here we you go. You have two exhaust pipes. They're side by side. Yes. Now, you're going to cut those in the middle and replace, facing each other on each of those now four ends that you have, a Y-shaped uh, collector, two into one. Yep. So, so, so now you've got a total of four so Ys. A, well, yes, now you have a total of four Ys and uh, four exhaust pipes coming out of pair of duels, right? So yes. each one goes into two. So two into one, two into one, side by side, four. The bottom ones, in uh, what we're looking at, are straight. So you get a straight out of one of the white collectors on each one, and then the top ones cross over to each other. So it goes from w one pipe to the other pipe. It's like a seven and a half. <laughs> I mean, it's really confusing in audio, I'm sure. Yeah. Listen, go to, go to 
Borla.com. And right? look at uh, Switchfire. And look at the Switchfire, and it'll make yeah. perfect sense mm -hmm. when you see it. And we'll, now, we'll throw some up on social. The other, thing, the other thing, too, is that we can vary the diameters of these. Oh. And probably the, le the and length. And the length, well. yeah. right, to help tune you know, both performance and sound. And so that idea of varying lengths and diameters gets into the other patent we have, which is our polyphonics patent. Which, if you remember the last time David was on the podcast, we talked about it being like organ pipes and different lengths of, I guess, pipes. pipes. Yeah, <laughs> just length and diameter. Your, your switch fire up here, mm -hmm. did that come, was that born under a, a car or was it born on paper or in a computer? So it was originally born on a napkin. Just like this podcast. <laughs> was it a napkin at Norm's? Because that's how this podcast was born. <laughs> and then uh, we probably had 15 ideas on napkins. Okay. And we built them all. Could you imagine if the environmentalists said no more napkins? How many ideas of American <laughs> ingenuity would be lost to, to yeah. the world? <laughs> right. Can you imagine, though, the, uh, the waitress cleaning up all these tables? She's like, oh, I've got a patent on this one. Right? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know if you can tell here, this is for the Ford GT. Which is one of my favorite exhausts that you guys currently make because of the way the GT exits on the back. Yeah. But, but you, it, this is the one application where the Borla exhaust is in your face as you're looking at yeah. it. There's no doubt what is in that car. So I don't know if you can tell, but this is Switchfire also. See, yeah. you have the collector here and you have the collectors here. It's just for the packaging on this. Sure, car we had to do it's it. a little less obvious, but then as soon as you look, you see the two straights and the two crossovers. And then we have our polyphonics here. This is sort of an idea. You know, it's kind of tragic, of David, that your your polyphonic is is hidden inside of the tubing. Yeah, yeah, it is. Well, they don't make clear T three or four yet, Lightning, so it'd be hard to showcase it on your vehicle. The original drawings and, and the original idea we had was it would it would all be exposed. But for a lot of reasons, including durability, we needed to have a housing on it. This is a hydroformed housing. It's pretty cool. Oh, wow. It allows us to, to use different diameters and lengths inside. And even on short pieces like that, it makes a big difference. And hydroforming is super cheap to, to do. Oh, wait, no, it's not <laughs> at all. It isn't. Not at all. And uh, this particular one, I think that, yeah, this is titanium. Well, it says lift me right on your board here. I think that wow, one's titanium. It, yeah. So it weighs 36 ounces. Something like that. So we were talking about the Rubicon 392. This is not what we wound up actually doing for this for that truck, but you can see the pneumatic actuators. Oh yeah. And actually, if you come over here, these are are the actual. Oh yeah. So what we did was we figured out how to reuse the stock actuators. Oh. Saves a ton of money, and you sure. don't have to throw out these perfectly good actuators. And what the car sees is exactly so. what it's expecting to see. Yeah, exactly. Right. That's that's right. That's right. All right, so uh, we're, we're at this, uh, basically one of your, like a SEMA display wall, mm -hmm. it shows the Touring, the S-Type, and the Attack, which are your three sound levels, and there's a cutaway, and I'm noticing that there's a slight difference in the packing volume. What other differences are there that makes a Touring, makes the S-Type, makes an Attack? So, uh, Attack, actually we have a patent, and it's in the patent, it's actually called Attack. And so that deals with a combination of straight pipes and perforated pipes, different lengths and different diameters. But, um, and, and the, the Touring and the S-Type originally were, were, you know, just one piece of perf straight through. Our technology has evolved so much. We've gotten into a whole bunch of other stuff that, that really Touring, S-Type, and Attack have just become sound levels. Uh, touring being the sort of the closest to stock, a little bit throatier than stock, definitely noticeably different, but not so noticeably different. And then of course you get the improvements in power and durability and aesthetics as well. The S-Type, um, that's kind of, you know, definitely much more aggressive than stock, but not 
as aggressive as the attack. And then the attack is kind of our loudest offering. Which, by the way, I love the sounds like heaven goes like hell. Oh. Like, that's <laughs> so awesome. Yeah, our creative director, Chris Lombardo, came up with that. We <laughs> so love great. that. Um, so anyway, at this point, it's really just three different sound levels. And what and the reason for that is that the, the end user, although they might be interested in the technology, they're really just looking for a particular sound. Yeah. And so rather than being sort of cornered by having to use a particular technology, we're gonna use whatever's in our toolbox to get the right sound. I, and think, so, I think that's the right, yeah. that's the right approach. Yeah. Because you're right, everybody, I mean, what's nice about your website is you have all the different levels. You can go stock, especially if you have all three of your yeah. stuff. You can go yeah. stock, touring, S type, exactly. Yeah. Listen to them all you know, back and forth. and. You're right, people want to hear the, the sound. They're like, man, the attack's maybe a little bit too aggressive, but touring is, I want more punch. Okay, yep. what does S-Type sound like? Bam, oh, that's yep. the one I want, but it's... And so if we don't have to add cost and complexity to something, we're not gonna do it. If we can get a good sound in a simpler way and keep the price down, we'll do that. And then in some cases, we may need to use a whole bunch of technology to get where we need to get. You know, It's just more about the, the goal than it is about using something just to use it. So we are just getting started on a product line for electric vehicles. And so this is um, a speaker setup for the Mustang Mach-E. And we're going to be offering aftermarket sound personalization solutions for electric vehicles. The Ford Lightning is the next one we're working on. So you'll be able to make it sound like something? Yeah. As a matter of fact, we'll be able to make it sound like anything you want it to sound like. That's pretty cool. And you'll be able to control it from inside the cabin, you know. And uh, So could you do Jetson noises if you didn't want to do like a big burly V8 or something like that? Yeah. We're going to get into all that stuff. We're going to generate our own notes and our own tones and you'll be able to download um, any exhaust system that we sell. You'll be able to download the file for that and it's all connected to the dynamics of the driving experience. It's not just a noisemaker. So when you go up a hill, you're going to have a different note. If you're looking at load and speed and so gear, yeah, so load, wheel speed, uh, RPM, so it'd be like gear, a module that, that plugs in like OBD2 or something, so it knows like CAN bus, CAN, can bus. bus. Okay, it's all coming off the CAN bus, okay. and so all that information off the CAN bus, you know, we have to create these algorithms. That's when mm -hmm. it, when it reads something from the CAN bus, it gives you this sound and this note, and uh, the operator will be able to shape the note themselves through an app. And uh, it's going to be very futuristic, sort of. Um, so, you know. the obvious thing for our listeners is going to be like, Holman hates that on on gas vehicles. But I've already talked about it on the podcast. Like Hummer, for example, has um, they did recordings of the electric motor, and then they altered the sound so in different modes it's amplified. So you know you have driver feedback of what's going on because right. one of the, the the hardest things with electric vehicles is they're so quiet you don't always know how your foot is directly relating to the output of the motor. And so before anybody says, well, why do you like it at Borla, but you don't like it you know, in the truck? Well, I don't like it when it, re when it replaces the internal combustion music. I think it's almost necessary in an EV because that's what gives you the feedback. And then if you can have some fun with what it sounds like, or even if you guys went to the Mach-E and said, okay, we're gonna actually, you can do a V8, you can do jetson noises, or we actually have our own recordings of the Maki's drivetrain that we've altered that you can overlay so it, mm -hmm. it it's yeah. get that feedback. I think that's really cool. Look, I, I totally agree with you on the feedback thing. We only have five senses. Smell and taste are not really a big part of the driving experience. So you're down to three, which well, is- Well, except on road trips, I've got, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I knew something like that was coming. But you're down to three, which is, you know, sight, feel, and sound. Yep. And you take sound away from the sport driving experience, 
and it, you're, you're really losing touch with the vehicle. It's yeah. that visceral connection to the vehicle. So the key for Borla is, this is not a noise maker or something to just you know have fun with. This is a performance product that connects you to the driving it's experience. A, it's a visceral device that allows you to, again, like you said, reconnect and, and enjoy the driving experience and know what that drivetrain is doing. And that was you know my biggest takeaway with, I have driven the, the Rivian as well as the Hummer, is the Hummer was a lot easier to drive because you knew what the vehicle was doing. Rivian was almost so isolated, you didn't always know what was going on. So I could definitely see how this could be beneficial to uh, the EV community. And it also answers the age-old question of where do you go next? Because obviously EVs are coming. Yep, and look, sound's going to be a part of it, regardless of what I think or whatever. I mean, sound has always been a part of it, and it will always be a part of it. And you it know, needs to be a part no of it. No matter how far we move technologically, we're still going to have five senses. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I just, I imagine even when, when we're not driving cars anymore and it really is George Jetson, they're all going to sound like something. I mean, imagine even in a video game, you know, imagine the, these popular driving video games. Imagine if the cars were silent. Yeah. It wouldn't be any fun. Well, you know what it reminds me of is there's that famous meme on the internet that shows um, the end of Star Wars where they're in the, the big, you know... Um, uh, the trash compactor? No, 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 no. They're in the big room because they're getting their awards from at the end. At yeah. the end, right? Oh, oh, the original. And somebody pulled out all the sound yeah. and overlaid it with like just them yeah, walking. walking. So yeah. in the movie, it's music and yeah, it's people yeah. cheering, and it's awesome because if you find it, you go on YouTube, you can find it. And literally, it's the movie. They're walking down to get their awards, and like the you know all of the government people are are yeah. there waiting, and there's no noise. It's just like boots in an empty hall and yeah. stuff, and you're going, you have no idea how noise impacts your enjoyment of something and that was one of the when i saw that i was like holy crap that ruins it like every movie i've ever seen because now i'm i'm aware of it and i'll watch movies and i'll watch a scene and there'll be music and you'll be like and i'm like wait they're tricking me because this scene sucks <laughs> it's when it's when the audio is purposeful and and and, and connects you like it yeah, like, like this space, podcast in 2001 a space odyssey when it's silent in space and prior to that nobody had done that and since then yeah. it's really rare of course, or, and space has no oxygen, and I, no every no you know sound. you see all these explosions and all these space movies, and they make crazy noises, and you're like, really? That's, that's, that's a trip. That's I can't imagine seeing that like in the '60s or wherever that came out, and they're floating through space. There's no audio, and yeah. so they go inside the guy's helmet. You can hear him breathe, right, but outside, yeah. and the whole audience is like eating popcorn. That's you crazy. can hear everyone chewing. It's gonna be yeah. strange. Going back down to this system here, you've got speakers, and then you have um, like so those, we have uh, a digital. So okay, so it comes off the CAN bus. So we have a pretty clever way of getting into the CAN bus. Those wires uh, come off the CAN bus and go into a, a digital sound processor yep. known as a DSP, which uh, is, is purpose-built for our needs because the, there is no DSP off the shelf that can do what we need to do. So we had to develop our own DSP. So after the DSP, there's obviously an algorithm, a sound output file and an algorithm in the DSP, which is a huge part of it. Um, to make sure that all the right sounds are coming out at the right time and reading everything from the and not the objectionable sounds. And, yeah, that stuff too. And uh, and to give all the functionality of the app, um, all that has to get built into the DSP. Then it comes out of the DSP and goes into a, uh, an amplifier, which eventually, sooner than later, we're going to have all together. The DSP and the amplifier will be one, and um, and that's like a you know a nice looking injection molded thing with a Borla logo on it and everything. And then um, uh, out of the amp into the speakers, and we have a, a speaker enclosure that um, is specific to the vehicle, so that 
it fits in the right place and you can mount it in the right place on the vehicle. And then uh, the speaker enclosure also has to be the right size and shape for the sound. Sure. And then we have, we're recording our own files. So we started by recording our own exhaust notes and uh, we're building a library and eventually we'll have thousands of sounds that you can download. And uh, you know it, everything from amazing uh, other vehicles to we're gonna we're working with synthesizer companies to create our own notes that we will protect like uh, George Lucas has all of his yeah. Star Wars stuff and whatever and um, I want a foley artist throwing cabbage and you know that's what they use for like the punches yeah. in the face could you imagine pulling off it just sounds like cabbage is being beat up you know <laughs> working at Roland and you get a call from hey this is David Borla we need to do business together uh, yeah we make keyboards and emulators <laughs> what, why are you calling us because I want to hear the actual what, what a car would sound like if it was an organ playing yeah. well it's interesting because the you know first of all in my former life I was a musician so I still have a lot of contacts in that area and um, in today's day and age, uh, it's all what they call modeling. So even Metallica, right, doesn't have amplifiers on stage. They plug their guitars into a computer, into a DSP, mm -hmm. and then the DSP has an algorithm in it that was programmed by their team, you know, and it sounds exactly like plugging into an amp, but it's all recreated through a computer. So, Wild. and same thing with like, if you hear like an organ or something in popular music, yeah. it, the days of like going down to a studio and recording a Hammond organ, nobody yeah. does that anymore. You know, you, you have a little keyboard on your desk, you plug it into your computer and you can play any kind of keyboard sound you want and it's all modeled in the computer. So what we're doing on the exhaust side is, is exactly the same thing. You know, it's just taking inputs and using a DSP and an al algorithms to create a sound output file. You know, so um, look, this is where the future lies, and a portion of the market is going to be interested in this stuff. What matters to Borla is that we make cars and trucks sound cool. Yeah. Right? It's really not about how they're powered, right? Our job is to make them sound cool and to make the performance driving experience better. Yep. You know, and so we're going to do that on electric vehicles, we're going to do that with hydrogen vehicles, we're going to do that with nuclear-powered vehicles and George Jetson and Blade Runner and whatever else comes around. It's just long after I'm not around anymore, I would want this company, you know, personalizing the sound of vehicles. That's just, that's what we do. So. That's inspirational. David, thank you so much for giving us a tour. Can't thank you enough. Like, this is, uh, this is really special, seeing uh, how you bake the cake. Right on. Appreciate it. A little peek behind the curtain. Yeah, well, you don't have to worry about us uh, telling anybody uh, or showing anybody because uh, we'll forget it in a few minutes anyway. <laughs> well, luckily, it's on. Uh, we recorded it and we're going to air it. Oh, we're, it's going to be a podcast. Yeah, so oh, as far you, as I know, I recorded it. That's this. why I was holding the microphone. Well, you know, we're big fans of uh, the product line and of Borla, and, and we appreciate you supporting the podcast, and you've been gracious. in uh, <laughs> and lightning, uh, no. lightning might need an exhaust soon. TRX, um, yeah, I got you covered. Hey, did I tell you Switch I got fire. my uh, my Borla climber for the JL? No. Ooh, yeah. Borla.com, where you can get your <laughs> own uh, Borla exhaust. <laughs> Thank you, David. You're the best. Thank you guys for coming up. Uh, humbled by everything you guys have to say, and it was a real honor having you guys here. So thank you. Appreciate it. Man, that was uh, super awesome for uh, for David to take us around and kind of show us the uh, the inside of uh, Borla R and D. I thought that was pretty cool. And the secret spaces that we couldn't talk oh, about. Oh yeah, we can't talk about. That those. We had to pause the tape that you guys couldn't hear. We also saw some uh, secret things that we can't talk about for mm. secret customers that we can't tell you about either. Uh, yeah, that sucked because we're under embargo. Normally, uh, it's no, just we're only. not under embargo. No, it's that's a, a you can never talk about this. Oh, yeah, a, yeah, we're under need to know. Yeah, it might be kind of stuff or something like that. So now you have to bleep that.
Oh, yeah, I do? Yes, you oh. can't say what that was. I did. I just bleeped it. All right. Yeah, all right. Sorry. Well, listen, thank you very much to uh, David Borla and his entire crew up there at Borla. Um, I, I think we're going to have to make a, an appointment to go visit their manufacturing facility in Tennessee because I think that, would be pretty cool. that looks like a, a very uh, technologically savvy environment of uh I don't know what I'm saying. Manufacturing <laughs> capability. <laughs> yes, thank you for saving me. All right. Uh, we, we know other companies out there with great manufacturing capability, uh, like Nissan. And mm-hmm. if you are looking for a new half-ton or mid-sized truck, head over to NissanUSA.com, where you can find a dealer, build and price. You can take a look at all the pictures and see all the features that the Nissan Titans and Frontiers have to offer. Of course, the Nissan Titan and Titan XD offer the industry's best five-year, 100,000-mile warranty. And again, that hot-selling little Frontier, best-in-class horsepower, go test drive one. Because if you want a mid-sized truck, Which, yeah. this has got one of the best interiors in the business. It's a super rugged, capable, love the Pro 4X. Get out there and check Nine it out. Nine-speed transmission. I mean, come on now. Big screen, fender audio, yep. zero-gravity seats, all the things that are in the big truck. You when are we getting truck. our loaner? Because you said that we're getting a loaner soon. Just, uh, just be page page Lightning. Page page. page. You can't repeat your three-year-old or five-year-old. She's was, four. She's four. <laughs> pace, pace, There's no pace, pace. Listen, uh, if you're like Lightning and you have no pace, pace, and mm. you need to go faster, then you want to go to BanksPower.com. Yes. Because you can get a Derringer inline tuner for your diesel truck covering most popular applications. This is a tuner that uh, <clears throat> you can remove it, and it doesn't leave any uh, footprints, as no. they say. No, uh, it does not. Let, if, you, if you've got an Eco Diesel, you, whether you got a new 2020, 2017, whatever you got an Eco Diesel in your Jeep JL or your Gladiator or your Ram, you need some juice. I'm telling you, it's a great. I mean, the Eco Diesel, that VMA Touring engine, is badass, but it's a little laggy, and it could use some, it could use some throttle enhancement, and it could use some top. Well, check end. it out. If you go out and get a Derringer, it's also compatible with the iDash mm-hmm. and the Pedal Monster, so you can put a trio of Banks products on that thing that are going to liven it up and make the fun to drive factor even better than it was stock, oh, even well, after you put a lift and tire. Well on said, there. yeah. Head over to BanksPower.com, put in your year make model, and find exactly the application that you need, and you can uh, order it right there from Banks. I would appreciate you guys hanging with us. Episode 221 coming to a close, and we'll have a little something-something for you uh, at the end of the show, so don't you dare leave us. The Truck Show, The Truck Show, The Truck Show, oh, oh. And if you want to hit us up on the socials, he is at LBC Lighting. I am at... John P. Holman, and we are at Truck Show Podcast. We'd love to hear from you, Truck Show Podcast at gmail.com. Hey guys, we're light on email, so uh, send us your thoughts Don't or say whatever's that. going on. Yeah, we want to trick them into sending even more. No, I think what you have to say is, oh my God, everyone's emailing us. You need to get in on the hotness. Uh, I don't think that's going to do no? anything. No, I don't oh, think so. Okay. All right, listen, if you're not an email kind of guy, just pick up your phone, 657 205 6105. Leave a message on Five Star Hotline. We'd love to hear from you. Now, can we say what we have coming up on the next episode? Do we want to give him a little teaser? A little tease-tease, as your daughter would say? Uh, I've got an interview from uh, our friends over at General Motors, because I recently got back from the Chevy Silverado ZR2 drive. And speaking of Borla exhaust, uh, the exhaust that comes on the truck, made by Borla. It is? Yeah, from the factory. Really? Yes. And it sounds mighty, mighty good. So uh, a little uh, little driving there, some uh, some impressions, and uh, also a little information on that truck. So I think that'll be pretty cool. And then we also have, uh, we've got an interesting conversation about the RPM Act with uh, the CEO from Turn 14 Distribution, who's leading a GoFundMe campaign to get all you guys energized about saving our sports. So super important conversations happening in episode 221. So we will uh, see you next week for those. But first... 
this. So here we are in the front parking lot of Borla, which we totally screwed up and didn't come in the right spot. But we were we we're out with, I think this is a one or two year only, right? It's the Hellcat and the Durango. Mm -hmm. And so this is a David's Daily, and you've got an S-Type on it. And we thought, well, you know, when in Rome. Let's check it out, ready? I'm gonna do the, uh, the remote start so it's gonna honk the horn for a second. that typical like the Hellcat bark because you love the bark like the TRX barks right but then it has like this sort of like a, a raspy resonance that sort of lives in the middle well done. the S type's a little bit richer than the attack it has a little more body and warmth to it the attacks a, a lot more in your face and raspy so that sort of low rumble um, is very S type you want to get in it real quick and just uh, hit yeah. hit the revs all right, we're going to hear what it sounds right, like. You do stereo. You, you go ready? left, I'll go right. All right here we go. Yep. Tickles my insides. My ear holes are happy. I'll take two, please. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that uh, that sounds amazing. Do you think he's gonna drive away and leave us now? What? What? <laughs> that sounds amazing. So, uh, what are you thinking, uh, Borla exhaust? Are you starting to Jones for uh, that as your first mod on the TRX? I'm gonna go to Walmart. I'm gonna buy a cot and I'm gonna post up in his office until I get the TRX, so I know it'll go on first thing. You could just send him a text message and he'll respond. That too, that too. <laughs> Can't wait for you guys to come up and check out what we did for the TRX. I'm in. I'm in. No, I'm in. No, me. Well, I'll come without you then. I'm gonna come without you, then we'll both be here at the same time. It'll be awkward. <laughs> the Truck Show Podcast is a production of Motor Trend Group. This podcast was created and produced by Sean Holman and Jay Tillis with production elements by DJ Omar Khan. If you like what you've heard, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating. And if you're a fan of the Truck Show podcast, we encourage you to visit and patronize our sponsors. 